us. Thank you, Rich. Yeah. I'll have to keep my words then uh, even less than PG-13, if there's any kids left in here. So to start with, we have all these prayer requests, these concerns, people are sick and dying, and yeah, I've been there and it's no fun. These people need our prayers, but we also need to celebrate the good stuff that's going on. Uh, I, I've got a praise to report. Uh, so I had, had a little bit of a reunion the other day on Thursday evening with, uh, with my older daughters. I'm effectively estranged from Allie and Savannah. Many of you remember them. They're, they're, they're just like they are. They're just a foot taller and full of energy and life. Savannah had COVID uh, in early June. No symptoms, no problems. She's totally fine. And uh, the best part is that uh, we got to go out to dinner together, and they, they both left me with a hug. Uh, that's the first time in three years tomorrow that I got to give them a hug. Uh, so there's not a bunch of kids in here. Well, Faith and Lex, you, you, you better give your mom and dad a hug. Everybody, universally, your parents need a hug every once in a while. You get an amen to that? Many, many of you don't have your parents anymore, and you wish you could give them a hug. Take the opportunity while you can, even if you are younger. It's important. Did this daddy's heart some good. So, happy 4th of July. Whatever that looks like in your world, watching fireworks, that's great. I don't believe in blowing up billions of dollars. I would prefer send that money overseas to do some you know, extra good with it, but I also believe deeply in the concept of the separation of church and state, and that you should be able to make your own dumb decisions however you see fit. <laughs> so blow up whatever you want. That's totally fine. You have the free will to exercise that right. I encourage that, free will, that is. <laughs> but I, and Luke had asked me to preach on July 4th, and my, the first thought that popped in my head is like, oh, I got a good one. And God has led me astray from that, and I think it's probably for the better. So I was going to come and add some slides uh, to ruffle some feathers, and I decided, nah, maybe it's best not. God gave me this verse to go to, uh, to, go to 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, you want to open up or on your phone. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And one of you that knows this a little better than I, if you could point out, see these are red letters. I specifically, this is not my preaching Bible, this is my study Bible. And I know it's like, well these, there's red letters. This is in, this is an epistle, this is a letter. But they're in red letters. Dwayne, why are they in red letters? Jesus said it to Paul and told Paul, you, you say it? Red letters in an epistle. That, 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 that's the first thing that jumped out to me. So it's like, okay, Lord, I'll go with this. I'll go with this text. We're just, we're just uh, that, that song that you ladies sang could be more perfect. All about you. It's all about you. I think, that's, I, I think this text is ultimately what we're going to get to. Is this all about you, Lord? It's all about you. You don't show it up there. 
So I've got to go back and give a little context. Context is everything. Not everything, excuse me. Context is important. Muy importante. So I want to go back and look a little bit at the first part of chapter 12 to create a piece of context that I think will frame the aha moment later, okay? So we're just going to jump right in here. Chapter 12, verse 1. This is Paul writing to a letter to the Corinthians. He says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Only God knows. And I I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. He says that a couple times. Was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Is. Weakness is plural. I looked that up in the Greek. It is plural. So he's not just talking about one thorn in the flesh. He's got a few thorns. Important to point out here that I don't understand what he's talking about caught up in, in, in a third realm. don't understand that. I'm not going to dig into that. But I do want to point out, he's saying, I won't boast about myself. I'm not going to boast about myself, but what I will, I think this is what Paul is trying to say. This is in Matt, 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 Matt's uh, New Revised Standard Version. Paul is saying, 14, he's referencing himself. I'll boast about a man 14 years ago. So the study notes down here tell me that he's referencing himself, his conversion experience on the road to Damascus when he's knocked off his horse, literally and proverbially in every sense of the word, blinded and converted very, very dramatically, right? We know this story. Saul turned to Paul. He's referencing that dramatic experience 14 years ago. Very, very dramatic experience. He said, I'll boast about some things. I'll boast about a man who experienced this crazy, outlandish... He said, I, I like the NIV, uh, they, the, the term they used in there, inexpressible. He saw inexpressible things. I'm a little hung up on the inexpressible part. It's like, how do you express the inexpressible? You don't. He's saying it was so outrageous that I can't even tell you because there are not words, particularly in the English language, let alone the Greek. There are no words to explain how dramatic, how triumphant, how overwhelming and awestruck Paul was. So he said, I will boast about that man. I will boast about that man, not the man, but that of who did that to the man, the experience of which took place that could not be done of myself, but could only be, this whole experience was of God. This whole thing, knocking me off my horse and blinding me and converting me, I couldn't do that. Even in Paul, in, the, in, in Philippians, he referenced how uh, he was the best of the best. It's like by, uh, you know, circumcised on the eighth day and, and uh, by, by law, a Pharisee and by, you know, a, a Greek of Greeks and a, and, a, and a Roman of Romans, on and on. He's the best of the best. And then he goes on after that to say, and it's all but rubbish. Actually, the best technical translation for rubbish is dung. He says, all this is dung. I'm not going to boast about my pedigree. 
and I'm not going to boast about my pedigree. I'm going to boast about how God used the lack of pedigree to transform this transformative experience that's just so bright, brazing, bright light. You can't see it. We can't express it. We can't understand it. I'm going to boast about that, that of which the Lord did. That I will boast about. That's the context that I wanted to get across before we really get into more scripture, okay? So then he goes on. This is the bizarre part. The bizarre part that I'll only boast in my weaknesses. I better read it direct. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. Well, let's stop there for pause for a moment. Even if I was to boast about this, it wouldn't be in vain because <laughs> this is a stellar, God-moving, miraculous, like the mountain picked up and thrown into the sea type of tumultuous event. So I won't boast about myself, but I will boast about this thing, and it won't be in vain, because for one, it's the truth. For two, it's crazy cool. All sorts of different adjectives we could use in that instance. But this is the, this, this is the weird part that, that I'd like you to think about weaknesses. He said, I will boast about... Let me go back here and make sure I say it correctly. I will boast about my weaknesses. Weaknesses. This is, I think this is a hint at the upside-down kingdom. That everything's upside-down in the kingdom of God. There's a good book written by, written by a guy. He talks about all sorts of, many, very, very deep. It's a thick book, and it's not something that you read right before bed because you have nightmares or weird dreams. One of the two I have. Maybe that's just me. <sighs> Temporary travelers we are. Hmm. Weaknesses. So I think about 4th of July. I, I, I want to talk about one of my weaknesses. Would you all be, would you all be okay with that? You won't mind if I, if I talk about, let me take a step down. So I was raised in a world, my parents are, are, are not overt Christians. My grandparents were. The only reason I ever went to church as a kid is because my grandparents took me there. Um, so I had a little bit of exposure. But grace, didn't have a clue what grace was. But what I did know, Dad taught me frequently and often, is that... Uh, Fourth of July, I think the word and the reason the title in your bulletin says Dependence Day is because I think of Fourth of July, I think of Independence Day because it was driven into my DNA. It's probably already there because it's so deeply ingrained uh, about being independent. You do not need help from others. You need to rely upon yourself. You need to become self-reliant, boy. My dad would teach me, boy, you grow up, you become self-reliant. Be a plumber, make lots of money, so you can be self-reliant. Literally said these things. 
it, I could go on and on a lot of different ways. Independence, meaning that you don't have to rely on others. Please, think in your own head, what does independence look like? What, what's the first thing you think of in your head when you think of independence? Mark, go. Independence. Not reliant on. Amy, you look like you're chewing on something. Give you're a banker. Financial independence. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Dwayne, you got one? Freedom! Freedom! Like William Wallace calling out just before they chopped off his head. Um, <laughs> independence. And every, all those are accurate and correct, and I agree emphatically with all those. Everything about that, Dad, is like, you've got to be independent, independent. It's like he would not allow anybody to help him. I was allowed to come on job site to help him on occasion just to make sure these wires don't get tangled when I pull them up the grain leg. You just make sure these don't get wadded up. Don't screw it up, boy. Because <laughs> I'm independent and I'm relying on you, which is a stretch. <clears throat> Must be independent and finance independent. Boy, don't buy a house that you can't pay off in 10 years. Don't you get any college loans. That's a sin. He doesn't even know what sin is. Financial independence, that's critical. Ah, okay. I, I, I need so, I've been taught this thing about becoming independent. I've worked my whole life since, uh, since a young age to become financially independent. And I'm basically there. But I still work because I kind of like to work. That's kind of part of it. That's in the DNA too. Independence. Are we as Christians, are we supposed to be independent? I think that we could dig through this Bible for days and weeks and let's just suffice it to say that there's nothing in there that says about, the only thing it might say about independence is maybe in reference to the Canaanites and the Philistines and some of these other critters that God said, wipe them out, take them all out. Independence, I, I, this is not written in my notes, this, I'm thinking about this right now. Independence is almost, almost, the antithesis or sort of the opposite, upside down kingdom, of Christianity. Christianity, truly becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, is the absolute surrender and reliance on Lord God Almighty. What, what, did, you, what did Jesus say? He summed up the Old Testament laws, all the oral laws, everything into two. He said, he said, love the Lord your God, your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus summed up a lot of pages. Let's just go ahead and suffice it to say that Jesus knew what he was talking about. Love the Lord your God with everything you got, that, which is surrender, which is what we're going to get to. But also to die to yourself and serve the community at large, your brothers and your sisters. The body of Christ in living in Christ's community cannot be done independently. Fourth of July is fun. It's kind of pretty to look at the fireworks, the big bangs. 
I like that, and I'm a queer patriot of sorts. Um, I'm working that out. That's another weakness that I thought I was going to go into, but I'm not going to because I'm wrestling with it. Uh, I, I don't know how to reconcile, real briefly. Um, I, I, I got a whole another thing that my dad taught me. Today, I guarantee you that there's a really nice, big, American, fresh American flag flying on his flagpole. He's got a great, big, prominent flagpole, a 50-foot pole in his front yard. And it'll have a fresh flag on it, pretty much guaranteed today. So it's like I get my first house, you know, I, I need to get a flagpole. I bought a cheap Far Harbor Freight one, and it snapped off. So a couple of years ago, <laughs> a couple of years ago, there, there's probably a sermon there too. No, so a lady told me, uh, a few months ago, she said, friends don't let friends shop at Harbor Freight. I still, I still get there. You get the 20% off coupon, you gotta go. Get a flagpole for 50 bucks. Uh, that snapped off. So I, I got a sturdy, like an expensive flagpole, and it's planted firmly on the rock. There's a sermon illustration there too, probably. And it could fly two flags. And so I've got a whole selection of flags because I can fly two flags. And I got myself a Christian flag. It, I, I was looking for one that looked a little bit different, but the most universal Christian flag you can get. And it, and it flies below the U.S. colors. And that's been bugging me for some time. <laughs> In fact, I even talked about this, or I talked through this with a friend just recently, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I feel like there needs to be a statement made that I ought to fly, I ought to swap them. And I did. I did. I swapped him. I took a picture of it. And I got nervous. And my friend told me, he said, somebody's going to throw a brick through your window. You might make a point, but it might not be the point that you're trying to make. So I'm wrestling with that. My commitment, I'll write it down right now. Because all you are going to write something down today. Application point, right? I'll write it down right now. I'm going to wrestle with the flag. Now, it's metaphorically. If you're looking for a show, no, I won't be. I won't be wrestling out in the front yard on the lawn. Okay. There's some things in your life that you need to wrestle with about independence, be it financial independence or. Whatever this sense of independence is, I believe God is pushing on this scripture about independence. To give up your independence and look to him, to surrender all, to become dependent upon him and the community of believers, the body of Christ. Let's go on and get to the real meat here. <laughs> yeah, first of all, well, Paul kind of answers this question of why why, why he's going to go ahead and boast about this? I'll be speaking the truth, but if I refrain, I uh, won't be warranted to do so. Because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. So he's given this, uh, he's been given this weakness as a part of, as an element of, to keep him from becoming conceited conceited, excuse me, to keep him from becoming conceited. And then he identifies this thorn in the flesh, and he identifies it very clearly. 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. This just is, uh, it, if a person doesn't really understand the upside down nature of Christianity, this sounds awful. Given a thorn, like Satan is tormenting me with this thorn. We don't really know what the thorn is. It could be a multiplicity of factors. There is probably one true uh, meaning to what this thorn that he is uh, talking about, but there is innumerable applications, like the par like the parables, right, Dwayne? One thorn, in this case, so it's plural, so there's several thorns. Innumerable applications, meaning if there's 50 of you in here, there is at least 50 applications of what your thorn is in the flesh. What is Satan tormenting you with? Paul said he was clearly tormented. And then and this is where he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, please. But he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you, sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Red letters. I mean, is there red letters in an epistle. Is this the only case where there, Dwayne, is this the only case that there are red letters in an epistle? I'm not 100% certain, but I'm 95% certain. This is the only red letters in the epistles. So it must be important, right? My grace is sufficient for you. Grace is a loaded word. The more and more I, uh, I look, at, look at grace, it's just such a loaded word. Crazy, crazy loaded. It's like, how do we even define grace? And how, and how is it that our weakness is made perfect this is the question. What is your thorn, and how is it that that thorn is able to bring everything into perfect alignment? That's what we want to get to here shortly. Oh, I want to go to, I made a note. Let's go to, uh, it says, interesting cross-reference, 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. Where are you? Next tab. First Corinthians two, chapter or chapter two, verses three through five. And so and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence, fancy language, or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in my weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I think we're getting a little bit more clarity as to what these thorns and these weaknesses, how Paul is saying here, Again, this is, that's the first letter to the Corinthian, to the church that he helped establish in Corinth. He's like, hey, I came to you in weakness. I was scared. You people were going to reject me, maybe, maybe beat me up and leave me for dead like the other folks have done. So I was scared. I was weak. And yet in that moment of weakness, God worked through in such a way to make that weakness better 
for the, re, for, for the reciprocation of the gospel, better to proclaim the gospel, better for you to hear, interpret, and grasp the, the gospel. It was the weakness. This, this, is the, this is the coolest part, I think. I don't... Okay, I don't know how God is going to work through the weakness of that this flag thing I told and like giving your dad a hug. I can't, I can't tell you the last time I gave my father a hug. I said that and I'm committed to it. I'm going to give my dad a hug. He's not the hugging type. I'm, maybe there were hugs before memory. I don't know. But what is it in these weaknesses that when God comes into the weakness that makes it so powerful? As Paul references it, it was clearly powerful for the believers in Corinth. I surmise the element here is that when you get to the end of yourself, when you get to the end of your independence and you can't go any further, then you must take a step of faith that the only way forward is that for God to work out the rest. You can't take it any further. I've taken the ball down the field as far as it can go. Uh, sports illustration, I'm real good at sports. Uh, I've, hit that, I've hit that ball basically a homer. It's darn near to the wall. But it's going to be a homer. God can carry it the last little bit over the wall. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. What is your weakness that you find that you have come to the end of yourself where you can't fix it? What can't you fix about yourself? I can make quite a few things pretty quick. I can't fix the fact that I'm epileptic. And so I've resigned to the reality that I'm probably going to take epilepsy pills for the rest of my life. I can't fix what's been, what has been damaged up here. But God can. They said, uh, they said I was terminal in April 2016. Medicine said, you're done, boy. You've had a good run. Go enjoy the last couple months. I said, Sounds great, but God can. God can fix this, and he did. Come to the end of medical medicine, you know, of the, uh, of the best of the best of medicine, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, right? I said, well, you had a good job. You know, this is a good, good run. What have you come to the end of yourself on? And this could be seemingly small things, that can turn into really marvelous things. Uh, in, the, in the first Corinthians um, chapter two, verses three through five, Paul says it wasn't an eloquence. He wasn't eloquent. I could think of other one. What it, Moses, Moses told God, oh, I'm a stutterer. I'm not a good speaker. And God says, that's fine. Aaron's going to do the talking. I talk to you, you interpret, and Aaron's going to do the talking. That's problem solved. It's better this way. If God... If, if you can't allow God to come in and fill this gap, you cannot be fulfilled. You cannot be your role, what you are supposed to be in the kingdom of God. The body of Christ, what part are you? I, I think I might be that little ligament that holds the pinky toe on that makes it jut out just the way that, you, that causes it to get stumped on the edge of a table in the middle of the night. I'm that part. But in order for me to be that part to my fullest, I have to surrender my weakness. 
Completely, completely, completely surrender. Give it up because only God can fix the elements of which are wrong in our life. Wrap it up. Rapido. We've got 18 more scripture references if you want to dig in there. What makes you think that you can be independent when Jesus himself, let's just, go, let's just reference a couple of these things. Uh, what Jesus himself said in John, uh, John chapter 5, the Son can do nothing apart from the Father. It, and this isn't written down, but it's just coming to me. Jesus was in the, in the wilderness being tested for the 40 days. He says, man does not live by bread alone. You don't live on just your sustenance. You can't reside on just yourself. If you do, your sojourn is going to be a mess. Or it can be a beautiful thing if you surrender. What else I hear? I get uh, John 15, chap- or chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Basically, without connection, there is no fruit. If you are severed from the vine, the branch is severed, you are not going to bear fruit. Shall I go on? Well, this is really a good one. Philippians chapter 4, 13. You can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then body of Christ is important. We get to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many. You know, we can continue on and on and on. We can't do this on our own. What a, a good illustration. Uh, I've heard this on the radio a lot lately. Um, the, the story of Gary Miracle. And so I could find his last name is legitimately Miracle. Because like, they're kids, their last name is Miracle, everything. Uh, so he's down in Florida. Some sort of connection. He drove the bus for Mercy Me, big Christian band. And um, he gets a bad infection, turns to sepsis, and ultimately loses... He's just got stumps on all four of his appendages. Uh, he loses his hands and his feet, and he's bound to his wheelchair. He's in bad shape, almost dies multiple times. He's in a hospital for like over three months straight. And he come to the end of himself. G- Gary admitted this himself on a, on a YouTube video, so I presume it to be true that it was really him that was being interviewed. He said, I come to the end of myself, and... There was nothing more I could do. It was all God. Just like Paul is referencing on his conversion experience, I won't boast about, I won't boast about myself, but I'll boast about what God did over here. I think Gary Miracle is also similarly saying, I didn't do this. I could not have survived this, but God did something great, and it's just beginning. So then, now Gary is uh, he's getting his prosthetics, and he said, first, uh, first he said, well, I'll be walking by the end of the year. 
Well, now, just uh, this last week, he said, no, I'll be walking in three months. He keeps up in it. And, and he keeps repeating that because God, because God, because God, because God did this. We're, gonna, we're not going to boast about Gary. We're going to boast about what God did in Gary's life. Well, God is using Gary as an, exa- as a, um, as an inspirational story for all of us to keep taking a step forward, metaphorical, even when he can't take a step. He said, we'll take a step, a step to get a leg, to get a second leg, and then another step to get these legs, to get these prosthetics, so I can take a step, a literal step, and a proverbial step forward, on and on and on, all to claim the glory of God. I say Gary has some pretty clear weaknesses, serious thorns. Lose your, all your appendages. They show him how he's like trying to uh, drink, drink a cup of water using his stumps. Doesn't look fun. I wrote here, maybe it's better I read my writing. We are intended to be islands, rather deeply woven interconnectedness and interdependence. Not independence, not separate islands, but woven like so deeply interconnected like the body of Christ. This is countercultural, upside down kingdom. So we need to move from independence to full dependence on God. You cannot operate on your own. Your weaknesses, where you come to the end of yourself, is the point of which God can turn something beautiful and marvelous out, like Gary Miracle. Gary come to the end of himself. I got no arms and hands. I got no hands. I got no feet, no legs. What uh, God is using that story to inspire millions around the country. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. So where you come to an end, that is the place of where God floods his power into. He won't flood the power into it until you surrender it. So it all comes back down to surrender. My grace is sufficient for you. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, right? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what is your thorn? What is your weakness? What is it that ails you or you feel like you're being held back by? Something that there's a rub. You might not even identify it as a problem. Just flying a flag in my front yard, is that a problem? Society says no. But what takes higher precedence? My allegiance to this country, to which kingdom To which kingdom is my allegiance come first and foremost? And that's really what what the double flag thing is. I am first and foremost a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that should be representative in everything that I do. Everything we do, not just on Sunday morning, not just on, on, on Easter and Christmas, but every single day. There's this uh, song, I really wanted to play it in here, but couldn't figure out how to make it happen. 
um, popular on the radio, and I've been listening to it every night this week. It, uh, this Jordan Smith, I'd never heard him before, but I heard the song on the radio, and I couldn't quite understand the words that he was singing. And so I had to pull up the YouTube video that has the lyrics, you know, with it. And it's How Great You Are. Has anybody heard this? How Great You Are by Jordan Smith. It, it, it's an anthem, but it's got good theology in it. A song that doesn't just sound good, but it's also got good theology. And one, my favorite line in that, I had to go ahead and write it down. Let everything I am declare the story of how great you are. Paul says in this, uh, in this 2 Corinthians passage, I will boast about the man, this, this beautiful thing that you created, that you did. I will boast about that. I won't boast about this wreck, this heap of dung. I will boast about the miraculous works that you have done. May everything I say and do be telling the story of how great you are. Everything. What is your weakness that God is ready to transform if you just surrender it, let it go? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we bow before you. You are the great miracle worker. You created us to, to, to be more than what we are. We, are, we have not arrived. We're, in this, uh, we're sojourners in this process, this transformation process, this temporary state that we are in, Lord. We recognize your will, your desire, and also that involves free will that we must invite you into our lives. We take a moment now to recognize, first in silence individually, what some of our weaknesses are. Lord, help us, please. We, we lay these weaknesses out before you. We lay them out before you, offering them. May you take what we cannot fix. May you take every part of it to transform it into this beautiful amalgamation. Our mess combined with your, with your perfection equals the kingdom of God here on earth. Lord, please take these weaknesses. Please show us what, what steps to take. Please, uh, please give us the guidance, the energy, the resources. Please take the wheel, take this and transform it so that you may be glorified, not for our glory, but all for your glory. We praise you. We thank you above all for your grace. It is so unmerited. We do not, we didn't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. And yet still you, you are so good beyond words, inexpressible how good you have been to us, blessed beyond measure. Thank you, Lord, for you have done what we cannot do ourselves. We praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.